Gentlemen, we went over the rules in the dressing room. I want to caution you to keep this fight clean at all times, and what I say you must obey. Live from the WKOM studio in downtown Columbia, it's time to wake up and get woke. It's three dudes with a view. Let's get it all! Good morning, Southern Middle Tennessee. My name is Del Kennedy. I am dude number three. It's a chilly Monday morning. Still looks like it's going to rain as it has for the last several days, I think. Uh, our low, low, uh, low, humble, uh, worthless, not worthy bus driver, Clayton Harris. Dude number two, you out there, man? The not worthy bus driver, Clayton Harris. Dude number two, you out there, man? I'm out here. Good morning, Del. Good morning, everybody. All right. We got some kind of echo going somewhere. I think probably your phone, Clayton. Uh, dude number one, Mr. Jim York. How's it going, man? Good morning, Del. On a cold, chilly Tennessee morning. Yes. How's everybody? It's January. All right. We're all right, I think. Yeah. Regular special guest, dude, Carrie Powers. How are you? Excellent. Happy Monday. All right, and again, friend of the station uh, is with us this morning, State Representative Scott Sapecki. How you doing? Good morning, everybody. And, Scott, we do appreciate I, I gather probably the legislature, Tennessee legislature is in session, uh, started a, a new session just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we'll be probably in session till late spring or early summer. And uh, what Scott's been doing is dropping by here on Monday. I gather y'all probably go into regular session on Tuesday each week. Is that how that works? That's correct. Usually Monday nights is when we have our evening session of the week. And then Thursday mornings is when we have our our finale. Tuesday and Wednesdays are all the committee meetings. Right. And so we finished uh, on Saturday. We went back in for Governor Lee's inauguration. And we finished the the organizational part of setting up the the 113th General Assembly. And now we've we've closed that that out and now we've opened the general session up and we'll be starting to get into committees probably next week where they'll be start starting to have we are chairman our meeting right now talking about how we're going to set up our committees and how they're going to work all right well we sure appreciate you dropping in on these mondays uh before the week starts to let us know what's happening uh in the legislature and in the state capitol and all of those parts. Uh, so what what do you got on your list today, Scott? Well, one of the things that we're looking at is we've got a report from uh, 10Care showing about two and a half years ago, three years ago, we voted on the 10Care block grant uh, to where the federal government, instead of telling us how to spend our money on our on our state program for health care, just block grant the money down to us, let us work through it, let us find efficiencies, and then whatever we find, let's go ahead and split that back with the federal government. Looks like we're going to be returning roughly about close to $300 million dollars back to the federal government this year. That means we're going to be able to reinvest on top of what we've already done in 10 care, an additional $300 million to pick up more people, to uh, provide better services, and hopefully get better outcomes for the people that are on 10 care. Okay. So that's the first thing we're working on. Second thing we're working on is the MCOs. What the MCOs are, and I think Kerry might have a little bit of uh, interest in this bill, what we're going to do is we're going to expand, we're going to make Tennessee an application state for MCOs. What MCOs are, when we get money from from the federal government and the state for for our 10-care program, we take that money and distribute it to the health care, like Blue Cross Blue Shield. And what they do is they work with the providers at the local level to set up how they're going to get paid, how the money's going to flow. 
Well, traditionally right now, we've got three people that are MCOs in Tennessee. They basically have a monopoly. Uh, for our population, most no. states have between 10 and 11 MCOs. What, in, in, what MCO Medical was Care Organization. Okay. And so, like a Blue Cross Blue Shield. Right. They are the administrator of all of the funds that get distributed to Murray Regional, to Right Care Clinics, on paying for people who come in under 10 care. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to open it up to an application state to where anybody who applies to be an MCO provider and they meet the guidelines set forth by TennCare and the federal government, now they can get get on board with, with Tennessee and be an MCO to provide, which brings competition to the marketplace. Okay. And then the second thing we're going to do on this bill, that and, and the speakers asked me to carry this bill, is we're going to make them pay at least 85%. So we're going to give them an 85% uh, medical loss ratio, which means if we give them a dollar to pay something, they have to at least pay 85 cents of that dollar to the provider. Carrie knows right now some of those providers are paying 65, 65 cents to 70 cents on the dollar. And so most states have gone to this 85% requirement, which means they have a 15% profit margin. 85% will come to the locals. And I've talked before, Alan Watson, remember the old CEO of Marino? We talked to Alan Watson about this and said, hey, we know what what kind of losses are you taking on TenCare? And they said they're receiving between 65 and 68% of what they bill. Well, if we could bump that to 85%, they're still taking a loss, but they're taking less of a loss. And on scale, they could repurpose that money into better health care out in our rural communities to help to help prop those communities up. Plus, the 85% would be paid to our local providers, which means now they could provide a better service to the people that come in under 10 care. There you go. Kerry, Mr. York, thoughts? Yeah. Uh, uh, Scott, uh, thanks for coming in and giving us those rundowns. But uh, I re- recently saw where another 120,000 people in Tennessee applied and, and were covered by ACA, uh, Affordable Health Care Act. Uh, what does that do to reduce the world? You say you got a block grant from mm-hmm. the state of Tennessee. What does that do to reduce the roles that was somewhere around 330,000 people uh, that needed health care in the state of Tennessee? That's a great question, Mr. York. So what happened was the federal government came down and said, look, we're going to have to, every state has to reevaluate their health care roles, their state health care roles, and make sure that there are people who are still qualified should be still receiving that benefit. And if they aren't qualified to receive that benefit, get them off the rolls because that will open a spot for somebody who needs that benefit. And so there was a bunch of people that we found that, that, were, that were ineligible for 10 care. And so we're in the process of verifying all that information to make sure that we didn't miss something or misinterpret something and then actually find out how many openings we have for the people of Tennessee that really need it and get them on that. And with the extra 300 million, Mr. York, we think we can expand and add another 40 to 50 thousand people in Tennessee to be able to cover. Gary? Gary, can you hear me? I don't have... Yes, can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. I don't have a whole lot to add on that. I mean, I love the logic and the philosophy behind everything Representative Sipicki just said. Um, I'm glad providers are getting more it's, but I can't imagine the daunting task of sorting through who really is eligible, removing those that aren't, and making space for those who are. It's just, 
you know, the government system, it's it's big and it's hard to maneuver. Well, one of the things we found, Carrie, is that there's but, a lot of people who are receiving TennCare benefits that don't even live in the state of Tennessee anymore. They've moved out. And so those are the people we're trying to clean up. Like, like let's say they moved to Missouri. Okay, fine. Let's transition you to the Missouri care and let's get you off of ten care so we can provide one of our citizens the ability to take advantage of that. That's that's the task, and you're right. It is huge. It is a huge undertaking. I can't imagine. Right. That's an age-old problem. 25 years ago, I worked for the transplant team. So, you know, those, the operations were expensive. The meds were expensive. But living in Memphis, you know, we bordered Mississippi and Arkansas. And I knew those patients were living over there. But sadly, the admin wasn't willing to um, do what needed to be done. So my hope is just everyone's got an ethical bone that really understands we have, you know, one pot of money that needs to serve Tennesseans and do what's right. That, that's that's a really good point. That's why uh, Governor Lee is is putting more money into budget this year for people to help out in, in addressing those roles issues to make it as efficient as possible. We are the only state in the country that they're doing this block grant with as we're kind of like the trial basis of the country to see how this is going to work. And my my gut feeling is when we start returning this money back to the federal government, and keeping the other half, I think what you'll start to see is more states do these block grants, and you'll bring so you'll bring better non-governmental efficiencies. Does that make sense? Non-governmental efficiencies into the marketplace that will help us save money to be able to help more people in Tennessee. Okay, Scott, what else is on the legislative list? Non-governmental efficiencies. You, you like that term? Basically, private sector efficiencies. Um, I'd like to see it play out. We're, we're hoping yeah, we just for. we just need to make sure, Scott, that the people don't fall through the crack that need health care. Everybody needs to have some kind of health care in this state, and and if we're working toward that gun, that that goal, all well and good. But if we're gonna make people fall through the cracks because they make an income and they and they are two dollars over the limit, that that doesn't make good sense. People need health care, and the biggest debt in Tennessee right now is health care debt. That's right, Mr. York. You you bring up a great point there about the the hardline cutoffs we have for TennCare that some people will refuse a promotion because it would it would kick them off of TennCare. Scott, what are the if you know off the top of your head the basic requirements for to be eligible for TennCare in Tennessee? Uh, I, I don't have them off the top of my head. I have them all written down because people call the office all the time. And we have to give them right, uh, right. But okay. but basically, what we're trying to look at is because of the of the block grant, we have some flexibility. Do we have a way to keep people on TennCare and 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 push them in their careers to go further? Take that promotion that gives you a little bit more money and start to slowly withdraw you from 10 care instead of having a hard line cutoff where they still don't make enough money to be able to pay for health care so they turn down those promotions and so we're working on the the logistics of that in the insurance in the insurance committee this year of hopefully trying to i guess create a soft landing for people yeah yeah that, makes they, sense. that they can continue to grow their careers take advantage of tennessee reconnect change their career make more money and not have that hard line cutoff mr york you've talked about where they make two dollars more an hour and they get kicked off of 10 care yeah, and the problem is, you know, uh, how how can a worker, a good worker, produce good good performance when they're ill? That that's killing companies that they work for. If a person's not at optimum performance when they walk through the door every morning, and they got some kind of illness that they don't have the money to take care of, or don't are not on a plan. 
then that's killing the economy in this state. Good point. Yeah, this joke. Good point. I, I mean, that's you know, it's different than it's different than a white collar worker going to work. Well, anybody, I mean, you know, anybody that doesn't have y'all health care, me, y'all are real choppy. Carrie, you're sort of breaking up. What's your? What are you saying now? Can y'all hear me? Yeah, you break up a little bit. Well, and I'm only getting part of what y'all are saying. We'll say, we'll, we'll, yeah, you keep freezing up, Carrie. Oh. But anyway. Um, okay. Yeah, Carrie, you keep you keep freezing up on us. Let, let, let me transition to another issue here. That's, that's a very big issue that we have to solve very quickly in Tennessee, and that's DCS. Now, I know, Mike, I know we're up against a break. You want to come back and... We can talk about that because it's going to be a little let's, bit longer. Let's start. Let's 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 sort of give people an idea of what we're sure. talking about, and then we'll come back. So the Department of Children's Services is is in chaos right now in the state of Tennessee. Uh, we have massive turnover there. You can imagine the stress that people go through having to deal with these basically these children in, in a catastrophic home life uh things happen at the, at the house dcs has to go in remove these these children from dangerous situations and so and, and to be clear the, the way this generally happens folks is it's an order of the juvenile court and the juvenile court uh may find in some cases that the home is no longer suitable for the child uh drug addiction or perhaps. safe or safe for or the safe child. drug addiction criminal activity that kind of thing or the child may be uh, him or herself uh, out of control committing felonies that type thing be a problem with the home or a problem with the child but for whatever reason the juvenile court says no this child it's not can't can't live in this home anymore and the child needs to be removed from the home and then they are placed by court order, order in the custody of the department of children's services well right now as scott has pointed out there too many children too much need and the Department of Children's Services is not equipped to handle the load. And it's a big problem, children sleeping in the hallways in these state office buildings. And uh, we get back on the other side, let's talk about what the solutions might be, Scott. Thank you. Motor Sales is our area's premier GMC dealership. Their lot at 919 Nashville Highway has an impressive selection of GMC vehicles, trucks from the light-duty GMC Canyon to the Sierra 3500 Heavy Duty, and everything in between. GMC's SUVs are impressive with the Terrain, Acadia, and Yukon. Want luxury? Ask about Denali upgrades. Go to ParksMotorSales.com for information and see their awesome offers and services. Parks Motor Sales, GMC. We are professional grade. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Have you been hauling your own garbage to the convenience center? Are you tired of doing it? 
Does your work schedule keep you from hauling it off regularly? Is your teenage son not taking it off like he promised when he got his driver's license? Do you have something better to do on Saturday? If any of these questions strike home to you, call the Garbage Man at 931-540-0919 and your problem will be solved. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter. Like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, MimsModernLandscape.com. That's MimsModernLandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. Three dudes with a view. I am dude number three, Delk Kennedy. It's a cloudy, chilly January Monday morning right here in Columbia, Tennessee. Uh, dude number two, lowly, unworthy bus driver, Clayton Harris. How you doing, man? <laughs> How's it going, Delk? Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Did the bus get where it needed to go this yeah, morning? Yeah, it got where it needed to go this morning. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, you know made it happen there you go all right dude number one mr jimmy Orr. good morning good morning Dale. good morning everybody out there in radio land cold yes. morning yes sir regular special guest dude on monday carrie powers how are you excellent happy monday can you hear me now you you keep sort of breaking up carrie so it's like you said it's a little choppy i guess that's the best way to put it carrie yep need to come in here and get on live well, you are on live, but I mean, come And in. it's both ways. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Send and receive. Send and receive. Those yeah. zeros and ones are not getting it. Probably not. Maybe it's time to call Starlink. Who knows? Uh, all right. Okay. 
and his friend of the station, special guest, uh, Representative Scott Specky, keeping us abreast of what's going on in the Tennessee State Legislature, which convened uh, in a new session two weeks ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, all right. Uh, let's see. What else? So we're talking about DCS. Yes. Department of Children's Services uh, with too many children, uh, more children they can handle on their hands that who have been placed in their custody by juvenile court system mm-hmm. and uh in some cases we've heard of these children actually sleeping in the halls of state office buildings uh what's going on there scott well you know that that statement you made about sleeping in the office that is correct that is that happens all across the state of tennessee because we don't have enough foster homes for these kids to go to and so uh it's a multi-pronged effort they're trying to work on right now with dcs uh, the governor i know both speakers are uh, insurance subcommittees are uh, that I'm, I'm on the insurance subcommittee and we're trying to come up with a solution number one here's 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 an overreach here's an a overlying problem is starting pay for a dcs worker is around 38 to forty-one thousand dollars a year and we get about oh, 90 days out of these people and they quit because yeah, you're talking about just massive turnover. It's massive turnover. It, it's it is unreal the amount of people that come into DCS that are qualified. They get trained. They work for maybe two three months and then they leave to go to the private sector. Because think of the tragedies that you're seeing every day perpetrated on children, and it wears on these people. And so uh, the governor is looking in the budget. Both speakers are. We think we're going to increase to pay up to seventy thousand dollars a year. So. To try to attract more people into us and put put maximum caseloads of twenty per individual. Right now, it's an average of twenty. So you could have one individual who's been there a while with experiences handling sixty, seventy cases, and someone who's brand new is handling five. And so what we're going to say is you can only have 20 at a max you're handling at one time. Because one, we have to provide the service to those kids. Number two, we have to get them adjudicated in the system to find out what's the best scenario for them. And, and you know, in the, in, the, in the judicial court system, there's a lot of nuances, Delk. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not just cut and dry. This person got caught for speeding. There's a lot of underlying factors that are leading to these children winding up in DCS. Right. Well, now, nobody caught for speeding is going to be put in the custody of uh, right. Department of Children's Services. This is going to be reserved for... Unless you're a three-time D, uh, DUI. Well, Driving with your kids in the car. I never, never, never saw a juvenile get three DUIs before. No, I'm talking about an adult. They could oh. take your kid from you. Oh, 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 but, oh, oh, oh. But oh. Scott, yes, sir. Here, here, here's a point. Correct, Go Scott. There, there, there's plenty buildings, old motels that can be refurbished to house these students across the state of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And why don't we challenge that? Look into trying to refurbish some of those in a in a fast pace. Because the trauma that we're building in these kids, Tennessee's got the worst record of any state. Mm-hmm. They move kids three times even after they're in foster care. And we're talking about adding different mental facilities in this state. We're going to have to have a whole slew of mental facilities with the trauma that we're creating in these kids and, and young adults to live in a, in a society that, that we all approve of. So it, it's not something that people need to be dragging their feet on they need to get on it on top of it immediately yeah that's right mr york this this issue should have been taken care of probably a year ago before it escalated to this nature um we had heavy turnover with the commissioners of dcs and so that's governor lee trying to manage that himself and us coming in remember we're only there for four months out of the year and so our hands get tied when we're out but but 
you bring up a great point, Mr. York, and we talked about this in committee, is is there a way for us to contract with uh, hotels and motels across the state to provide these kids at least a bed and, and a bathroom to sleep in while we're trying to figure things out for them? And the answer is yes, we can. The problem we have is we have to have supervision on these children because they're in the they're in the care of DCS, so we have to have somebody at that hotel also making sure that we don't get into human trafficking issues with these kids or sex trafficking while they're in the care of these of these hotels a lot of them are, are a great danger to others or to right. themselves so there's a lot of but mr york you're absolutely right i mean you're absolutely right mr york there's we have to kind of think outside the box on this on how we're going to solve this and then how are we going to how are we going to mitigate the family how are we going to figure out a way to get these kids back into their families if it's possible or if they're going to go into foster if it's going to go into foster like you said mr york these kids get bounced around and bounced around and some of this comes from and i, I hear this all the time from foster parents is hey we were considering adopting this kid and then dcs comes in and takes him away from us and so we've got to it's one of these things mr york that the deterioration of the family the, the deterioration of parents it is leading to this crisis with us with these kids and these are lives that if we don't get it fixed are going to be ruined for the rest of their lives and then we got it's a it's a complex issue mr york um you know it's all hands on deck this is not a this is not a party issue this is not a partisan issue this is about trying to come together and figure out a way to solve this problem for our kids in tennessee but why don't governor lee appoint a a two-person czar commission to, to deal with that problem specifically well, we have a one-person czar. It's the, it's the commissioner of DCS. That's their job is to work with, with their with their governor and himself and themselves, and then come to the general assembly. And if they need financing to do things, I don't think, Mister York, I don't think there's really any member of the general assembly that's going to step in there and say, "No, we don't need to give more money to DCS to solve this problem." The thing we're going to ask is. Will it solve the problem? We don't want to just start pouring money into a, in, into, a, into a, a department with them not having a plan. Like you brought up the mental health aspect, Mr. York. That, that is huge right now with our kids with what happened with COVID. Ask any teacher you have right now in, in our school system. Coming back from COVID, these kids are just different. Uh, Pinewood Springs, or just, sorry, Del, Pinewood Springs uh, is a local mental health facility here in Murray County. And I've toured that facility multiple times and showed it to DCS showed it to corrections and they're going to start partnering with pinewood springs as a place for these kids that could go that could be in danger of hurting themselves right. or hurting others to get them the help they need and they also pinewood springs does a program where if kids are i don't know the word for it the kids are having issues in school that they're just they're having trouble coping they have these after school programs that kids can come over voluntarily voluntarily they sit with other kids there's no cost they get to sit with with a with a uh, uh help me out guys someone who uh, helps them out a uh, a, a therapist a therapist right. they get to sit with a therapist and just help these kids cope with the, all the issues that they're facing not only in school but in their home lives, and they're being very successful with that. And so we've talked to Governor Lee and uh, uh, Speaker Sexton and uh, Lieutenant Governor McNally about, hey, could we could we replicate this Pinewood Springs kind of facility across the state to have places where DCS and corrections could could send people when they need help, and kids could go seek it out themselves? Let me let me try to clarify a couple of things. Ms. That was York, a lot there. Yeah. Well, this may be as goes to what you're talking about, Mr. York. To my knowledge, the state of Tennessee does not directly 
operate any foster homes. They contract, mm-hmm. uh, usually with charitable organizations, <clears throat> to provide foster homes. The state does not operate. The state doesn't have a a facility. A facility somewhere, which is a is a foster home. Uh, here locally, we've got two. Uh, charitable organizations that uh, work with fostering kids. One is Youth Villages, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, they, they, do a very good job. They do a very good job, and the, the juvenile courts uh, will call upon them to, to take uh, foster care of kids uh, routinely, and they are a heck of a resource. Uh, Youth Villages, though, they are on here. Calista Barberi is on here quite often asking for people to uh to be to volunteer to be foster parents and so you know that that is a crucial part of solving this problem uh the the state of tennessee does not like scott said they don't have foster care facilities they they contract with people like youth villages what about an organization like tennessee children's home well tennessee children's home is the second one locally that uh but but there's space right yeah i mean we got kids sleeping in our in our in our offices right now because there's nowhere to send them yeah there's no that's that's a pseudo home no scott you know maybe tennessee needs to get in the business of providing a facility for those folk those kids that are in foster care because of the magnitude of the problem. Well, I, I kind of I kind of agree with you a little bit, Mr. York, is we've got to kind of think outside the box here. I just don't think of us getting into the governmental business of, of building these homes and managing them. We're going to do it as well as the Tennessee Children's Home or Youth Villages or foster care homes. What we need to do is expand the scope of that reach to make sure that we have more than enough beds and more than enough places for these kids to go. And maybe you give a grant to the the Tennessee Children's Home to expand. Right. You know, maybe what we do is we provide the funding for youth villages to expand and contract with them because they have the professionals on staff to help these kids. Maybe it's a funding issue, Mr. York, where where the government comes in and says, look, we're not going to get into this business, but what we're going to do is provide the opportunity for the private sector to expand and be and do it with their efficiencies that if we put the government bureaucracy in charge of it, the health of these the health care of these kids would, would be hurt a little bit because now you're putting the overlays of all these government agencies on top of it. Yeah, and the folks at Tennessee Children's Home are, are, are wonderful folks, and they've been in these studios fairly regularly. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have recently uh, opened a new facility mm-hmm. and expanded, mm-hmm. and uh, they have been asking for uh, people to help by uh, financial contributions. So Tennessee Children's Home, Google it up. Help them out, give them some money. Uh, Youth Villages, which operates here in Middle Tennessee, uh, it, it has two ask. I mean, of course, all all these charitable organizations would love to have your donations, and they need your donations. But uh, Youth Villages is asking for people to volunteer to be foster parents, and they provide support, training, the whole nine yards. I think you just have to be over 25 years old and no felony record or something like that. Uh, and uh, uh, so they, and it takes a special person to be a foster parent, and Youth Villages, though, will train you, will support you. Uh, so if you are interested in helping to solve this problem by volunteering to be a foster parent, you know, Google up Youth Villages and and go for it. Mm-hmm. Bless you. Yeah. So um, I'll keep you abreast of how that moves forward uh, and hopefully the solutions that we can come up with. Uh, transitioning to another topic. Let, let I, me ask one more quick question, Scott. With regard to the Department of Children's Services, I, I, 
listening between the lines on what you're saying, I gather that the problem over there is viewed primarily as a problem of a lack of adequate funding. Uh, Adequate funding and and retention of personnel and paying paying people enough, you know, making sure that we're competitive. Uh, One of the things that we have is we have these people come in and we train them and get them certified and they start to work. And then the private sector comes in and steals them away because they can pay them more money. And so what we've got to do is we have to be competitive so that we can retain our professionals, that they stay with us. Because the one thing we can offer is is the uh, Tennessee uh, retirement system. Very, it's a very good retirement system that we can offer that most private companies don't. Most of them do a 401k now. And so we have some flexibility there that we can offer to retain ours, but you have to pay them the money up front. And so we're trying to solve this problem. I don't think money... I don't think money's going to so- going to solve our way out of this problem, but it's a it's a start to start to transform us because let's face it folks, these are kids that are in situations and I I've toured some of these facilities and it just I don't know how to say it. It just, it just it breaks your heart that these kids are in these situations and and they're headed towards a life that's going to lead nowhere and we've got to get this fixed. There we go. All right, Scott, what's next on your list? Well, uh, one thing we can talk about is transportation. Now, Mike's giving me the one finger up. It's the it's the index <laughs> finger. It's the index finger, folks, okay? And so he's telling us we got one minute. So we, we need to talk about education. You want to come back? As a teacher, you want to come back and talk about education after the break? Education or transportation? I mean transportation after the break. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, Mike? This is Barry Duke, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. Ram owners know tough, and they know what they want. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you can count on us to have a huge inventory. Call or stop by to talk to one of our Jeep or Ram product specialists, and we will help you build your dream ride. You can count on us. Choose a 1500, 2500, or 3500. Pick the power, options, even the color you want. Buy online and save time with our online shopping tool. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you can count on us. Online at ColumbiaCDJR.com. Oh wow, Valentine's is almost here. I wonder where the best place to get a gift is. Tillis Jewelry, of course. Terry Tillis here. We're excited to help you pick out the perfect gift. Rose gold is the theme this year, and we have a great selection from necklaces to earrings. And when you buy a gift of $100 or more, we'll provide you chocolates in a beautiful gift wrap box. Well, I'm on my way. Great. This week, we are open Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 5, and Saturday, 10 to 2. See you soon. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. 
This is Dr. Dominic Mancini from the Dr. Gill Center. If your car was damaged in an auto accident, chances are you'd fix the car. Why wouldn't you give that same attention to yourself? Untreated whiplash injuries of the spinal column may lead to conditions such as headaches, numbness in the arms, neck and back pain. The doctors at the Dr. Gill Center specialize in detecting and treating such injuries from an auto accident. Accident consultations are free. Call me painfree.com or call 615-551-9224. Kick off the new year with new home upgrades from Hiller. This month, when you buy something you need for your home, we'll give you something you want. For a limited time, when you purchase a new whole home generator, new tankless water heater, or select new HVAC systems, we'll give you a free 55-inch TV, free solo smokeless stove, or a free Nintendo Switch. Pick your prize when you upgrade essential systems for your home. Don't wait. Book online at happyhiller.com today. Call the happy face truck today. The crimson and white jerseys. Front court to the rack and the flood. The sound of a buzzer beater. Got it to go as the buzzer sounds. The roll tide chant from the crowd. Three. Got it. And he's fouled. It can only be Alabama basketball. Join the Alabama Crimson Tide right here. On your home for Alabama basketball. The Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. It is time to hear from our favorite grocer, Miles Johnson at Foodland. Miles, how are you today? Oh, I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. I got a sneak peek of some of the specials. Boy, there's some good ones in there this week. Mm-hmm. This week we got ground chuck for three thirty nine a pound, T bone steaks four twenty nine a pound, boneless pork loins a dollar ninety nine a pound, five pound bag of Idaho potatoes for two ninety nine each, and Coca Cola twelve packs. For two for thirteen. Wow, that's some that's some good deals. Uh, these sales run through next Tuesday, I believe. That is correct. All right, and again, you're open seven days a week, seven a.m. till nine p.m. Miles, thank you very much. As always, we appreciate it, and uh, hopefully, people listen and uh, come on in. And you got some great deals, and uh, you got some great people working there as well. So you guys have a wonderful week. All right, thank you. You too. Thank you, Miles. All right, that was Miles Johnson from Foodland, located on West Seventh Street. Again, they're open seven days a week, seven a.m. till nine p.m. So go in and check out. Some of those uh, great specials they have, and we'll talk to them next week as well. We're back. Three dudes with a view. Monday edition. January cold, dreary. It is what it is. My name is Del Kennedy. I am dude number three. Dude number two, bus driver Clayton Harris. How's it going, man? I'm doing well, Del. Good morning, everybody. Dude number one, Mr. Jim York. How are you? Good morning, Del. Good morning, everybody. Regular special guest dude on Monday, Carrie Powers. Uh, we're not hearing you at all now, Carrie. Good morning. Happy Monday. <laughs> Hopefully, I've got it worked out. Yeah, that's that's much better. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, friend of the station and uh, special guest keeping us abreast of what's going on in the Tennessee General Assembly, Representative Scott Sapecki. Good doing? morning. Good morning, everybody. All right. Coach Mike Lyle is on the board, and, you know, his church, uh, the Southgate Church of Christ, uh, 
just does amazing things. Uh, they've become specialists, and uh, th- their thing is disaster relief, and uh, that's that's a good thing. There are a whole a zillion different ways that people need help, and uh, Southgate's decided that this is what they're good at, this is what they like to do, and it's a great thing. Coach Lyle, what are you all up to these days? Well, I just wanted to kind of give a uh, post report. Uh, they got back Friday night. And your your mic's Mike, off. I can't hear you. Your, your mic's off. It says it's on. Nope. Is your uh, green button on up top? Let's see here. All right. Is that better? Nope. Is that any better? There you go. There, there, we, go. there we go. Somebody's hitting buttons that they're not supposed to hit. Anyway, um, our, our group got back Friday night. Uh, we had geared up to cook 1,800 meals in three days. The final tally, once we got done, was 2,650. Wow. Wow. And again, uh, this is in Selmer, Alabama, yeah. where they've been hit by tornadoes. I believe eight people dead. Extensive property damage. Yes. They said uh, you know they got a chance to tour. They, they said it's, it's kind of a relatively small section as far as the, the town itself is concerned. But what got hit got hit very, very hard. He said it's probably the the worst destruction he's seen in and and uh, all his our, our our director basically our director of the of the program uh said it's the worst thing he's seen uh in in the years he's been doing this uh but uh we were we were very fortunate we had some uh some people step in to help us down there uh was able to buy us some more food and they basically said we'll keep buying as long as you keep cooking and so uh we were we were able to stay our full time down there and uh uh, got everybody back safely and kind of work we're going back to our normal mode of life but uh you know that that gave the the, the church uh down there the chance to kind of get their feet back under them and get themselves back together a little bit and now they're they're picking up the relief efforts uh, locally there you go if people want to help where do they go coach they go to southgate church of org, and once you get on that page there's a little blue give button down at the lower right hand corner you press on that and you kind of follow the, the the prompts there you can earmark the contribution to the disaster relief effort or you can excuse me call our office at 931-388-7334 and give you for further instructions if you want to give in some other manner and of course if you want to bring it by the station here i'll be more than happy to make sure it gets to the right people all right so, so the southgate church of christ yeah we thank you all uh let Delk, we thank you for letting us uh kind of tell what's going on with that happy and uh, and uh That's seeking we the help that we can get wait to get the bill yeah <laughs> no <laughs> Somebody, somebody's got to hey, pay for all, all the i got to the checks in the mail <laughs> No, 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 no. So before we uh, and you guys do a great job over there, and you know what? All of our churches, when there's a, when yep. there's a tragedy, oh, yeah. all of our churches respond in, in a very yeah. admirable and way. This is a, this is a separate uh, effort from the Nashville-based organization, the Disaster. They do a fantastic job. They do a massive job. They send down semi trucks full of food and stuff like that when they go down. Uh, we're a little more localized. No, you it's know, and, and stuff. So we little engine that could. Yeah, yeah. we're yeah we're we, we're 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 a small scale situation in which we go down and cook and and, and uh, we we have a full scale kitchen that we go down and we cook and. Uh, and but, you know, different churches do different things, and that's good. I mean, yeah. I, one yeah. church here locally is involved in providing uh, homes and yeah. shelter for the homeless, I think. And, and y'all's thing is it, disaster yeah. relief, and you're good at it. Yeah. You're equipped for it. And uh, and uh, that's your thing. It's good. And we're, we, are, we are very uh, blessed to be able to do that. So 
So uh, real quick, uh, segue with that a little bit is um, last year I ran the line worker program bill like they have out of Columbia State. Right, people right. climb. So those are called uh, short, short-term short credentials or industry certifications. Uh, we ran that bill last year. We had it ready to go, but funding ran out, so we didn't get that bill funded. We're going to run the bill again this year. It looks like we'll have funding for that. So people who want to become line workers to go down to these places and learn how to learn how to get the power back on, or uh, uh, CDL drivers, heavy equipment operators, uh, uh, things in the medical field. Those now those people have opportunity to get scholarships, grants from the state of Tennessee to help pay for that schooling, so they can get those careers and start ramping up their careers too. Yeah, so and I believe that's the news. The Columbia State's had that line worker program. The cost mm-hmm. has been. Uh, like four thousand dollars, I think. So uh, that's that's a barrier for a lot of people, or a hurdle. And so mm-hmm. the state's going to uh, step up, step up, just like they do for Tennessee you know, Promise and yeah, Tennessee yeah, Reconnect. Yeah, yeah. Carrie, uh, before we move on to uh, transportation, did you want to say anything now that you're working? Um, about DCS know, or anything? The, can you hear? Can y'all hear me? Yep, you're, you're doing pretty well now. I really think the first step in solving a problem is naming the problem. Mental health is a problem, mm-hmm. straight up. So, you know, I'm glad y'all are working on it. I think, you know, again, the words and the actions have to match, and that's a really big job. There's a lack of funding and, again, an oversupply of problem. Um, good luck with that. But look, there are so many kids with mental illness in our schools, and a lot of it comes from trauma in the home. And I just think when you look at the generation that is coming up, I think they're kids now, but they're going to be grown one day and they're going to have kids of their own. And we have some generational mental health issues that are forming. Mm-hmm. Okay. Transportation. Scott, Last, oh, well, go ahead. Scott, sure. go Scott ahead. One, one, one other thing, suggestion on, on this children problem that, that's been created. Because the problem is so huge and massive, we need to, split this state up in two divisions, an East Division and a West Division, and and allow the person in charge of DCS to, to come up with solutions. One, I think it's too massive for one DCS person to deal with. That, that's correct, Mr. York. And so the new Commissioner of Education through funding to the General Assembly. Boy, you you must have been attending our meetings or something like that. Uh, they're going to create sub-commissioners of each grand division. We already have three grand divisions. Middle, and, Middle East and West. Right. And so they're going to split those up where you'll have a commissioner over each grand division who will answer <coughs> to the big commissioner and answers to the governor to try to create more efficiencies, getting more into the local creativity. Uh, West Tennessee, excluding except for Memphis, is extremely rural, so they're going to have have different issues as middle tennessee is mostly suburban or urban and then you get into east tennessee it's going to have different issues and problems so trying to make those those commissioners have the flexibility to have the unique to deal with the unique problems in each one of those that's one of the things we're trying to trying to address and and a lot of it has to do with hierarchy hierarchy and the way the business model is created at the, at the department of children's services and you can't have somebody from and great point, Mr. York. You can't have somebody sitting in an office in Nashville trying to figure out a problem for a kid who's sitting in Dyersburg, right? You got to have somebody locally that can understand those challenges of those communities. And so we're we're trying to solve. It's a massive problem. And, and Carrie, you're 100 percent right. Uh, in education, we deal with this mental health aspect of our kids is a huge problem. And if we don't solve this going forward, we got a generation of kids that are, that are going to have problems the rest of their lives. So I have a question. Um, has it ever been discussed 
instead of segregating it into like west, middle, and east Tennessee, uh, rural versus the metropolitan areas? Because mm-hmm. I feel like that's a big difference. I mean, it would be hard for someone in Knoxville to take care of a rural community in West Tennessee. Mm-hmm. But really, I think the logic of a uh, of serving kids in Memphis versus Dyersburg, for example, is um, really a you know, whole different ball game. One of the things they've talked about doing is creating crisis teams that deal with the urban centers. So you'd have uh, Memphis, Nashville, Chattanooga, Knoxville, where DCS would have crisis teams set up for those areas specifically that operate under the umbrella of that uh, of those three grand divisions. So you'd kind of have a, I guess, a DCS task force that would that would address the, the problems in the urban areas, because those children are facing different different issues than they would out in the rural communities, and then have rural liaisons that would deal. It's it's it is a huge complex issue that we sit in these meetings and they're two and three hours long, and it's like you're just connecting dots after dots after dots, trying to link all these different entities together, and we're like, can we not just have a smooth hierarchy? And make it work more efficiently, and that's what they're trying to figure out, Carrie, is how to how to make this efficient for the kids to get them in the best the best situation as quickly as possible. I okay. have one more question. Uh, shoot, quick, Carrie. If we're going to talk about transportation, though, no, don't keep asking questions. Not to talk about transportation. Well, I'm just curious <laughs> how many people with mental health uh, degrees that really are moving the needle for people slash kids are involved in these conversations. So there's a bill. Okay, so we deal with the um, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? The um, educational provide the educational prep colleges for mental health, right? Uh, th- those people in those degrees, and we're asking them questions of okay, if the answer is personnel, how do we solve the personnel issue? How do we how do we incentivize people to get into these into these fields that are extremely difficult and tough to do with? Well, number one is salary. Well, the state can take care of salary. We can pay more. Number two is the cost of going through these classes is very, very expensive. Trust me, I'm looking at colleges and universities right now for my sons to attend. And Carrie, you notice you have one in school. It's not cheap anymore. Higher education is extremely expensive. And so we're trying to figure out a way with our educational prep providers how do we incentivize more people to get in there? Some talk is, well, if you go into the uh, mental health fields and you get employed, as long as you stay employed on a five-year contract, we'll, we'll forgive 20% of your student debt over those, over those five years. And hopefully, you've built enough of a career where you're going to be anchored then with the retirement, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we are trying to find creative ideas. We're looking at other states on how they do it. Here's the problem, though. There aren't a lot of states that do it very well. Well, pipeline is important, and Mm -hmm. I think that's what you just spoke to. But, you know, I think with, I guess, telehealth and Mm -hmm. things like that, I would really, I'm curious how many people who are working in the field of mental health that could give efficient suggestions to more efficiently. That was one. I mean, pipeline is, you're talking about getting people to go into that field, and goodness knows that is very important, but... I'm just curious if, I mean, I think teachers should be involved in some of the education decisions. I think therapists and mental health providers or school counselors that work in the mental health arena should be, you know, at least uh, given, I hope y'all are 
listening to some of those people as well, which you probably are. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I try to do is go down go down to the local level and find out what, what are the nuts and bolts of the problem. You talk to school uh, guidance counselors and social workers. I talk to DCS personnel and staff. You talk to foster parents. And the problem is it's been neglected for so long. You, you kind of, it's like you're walking into your garage that you've just been throwing stuff into for 30 years, and you're trying to start to clean it out and make it clean it up, and you don't know where to start. And so there's so many different problems we have to address when this is we could spend the next two or three years just focusing on DCS just to get an efficient system that's going to work for the kids. And we have a state to run, too. And so we're trying to figure out how do we put people in, in, in positions that are going to make the best decisions to affect this change, knowing that the General Assembly is only there for four months out of the year to run the bills or run the funding that needs to be done. It's, it's, it's a complex issue, and uh, we are looking for suggestions everywhere. And having these conversations with you guys today and people listening to this conversation via the radio and via the Internet, I'm sure people will call in and reach out to us and say, hey, have you thought about this? And that's the way, that's the way it's supposed to work. There we go. Okay, so folks. We're addressing the problem and, you know, for all the work you do. And thank you very much. Thank you. All right, folks. We got about two minutes and we, we're just now getting to transportation. <laughs> Scott and I heard the Tennessee Commissioner of, of Transportation, Mr. Ely, speak, Ely, speak for the Spring Hill Chamber of Commerce. He had several of his lieutenants with him last week. Folks, frankly, not much got said other than they're going to build some roads. The governor's going to propose building some roads that are not toll roads, they say. Not toll roads, but yet you charge a fee to drive on them. So I don't you know, potato, potato. But uh, they would be new lanes, though. The old lanes would remain free. It would not be toll roads. Uh, that seems to be their big push. You know, if those of you have been to Atlanta lately have yeah. seen it. So, so let, let, let me clarify here, folks. What the governor's proposing is we put together a committee that's going to look at solutions that not only could that that are being proposed here in Tennessee, but look at look at things that other states have done that have worked. Um, if you've if you've all driven, I, I'm from St. Louis, and we we tried to solve this problem in St. Louis. Instead of building two more lanes in each direction, they built one middle lane and just had the little thing that flips in the morning and flips in the evening. So you don't have to spend four lanes worth of infrastructure. You spend two with a gate that flips for morning traffic and flips for evening traffic. And they found out that that works very efficiently. So what it, about rapid transportation, Scott? Why don't the state look at doing some speed bullet trains from different hubs across the state? Well, they're not. They're, they're not looking at that because the efficiencies of it don't work because by the time a bullet train going from Nashville to Knoxville would get up to speed, they'd have to start decelerating right away. So, Well, just commuter trains. Murfreesboro to Nashville, Lebanon to Nashville, Dixon to Nashville, Columbia to Nashville, Clarksville to Nashville. Since this got cut off, I'll come back next week and we'll talk about this stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about it next week. My son was talking about I've not been to Dallas lately. Apparently, they've tried to build their... 